other side of midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Well, I have mentioned that I was working on this before, and today is the day that I am finally moving forward with this. And I believe this is something you're going to hear about in a lot of the other newspapers, news talk shows, TV talk shows, whatever else. I have decided to, and I don't take this light, I have decided to officially file a complaint against Judge Juan Mershon, the judge presiding over the criminal case involving Donald J. Trump. Today, I wrote to the administrative judge, Ellen Bybin, of New York County Supreme Court criminal term and the New York State Commission on Judicial Conduct. Now, why would I be doing this, especially when I said early on that I heard Judge Mershon had a good reputation? Well, it has been revealed, and it has not been disputed by Judge Mershon or anyone else, that Judge Mershon made three campaign contributions in the 2020 election. One to President Biden's campaign and two to progressive groups who have the stated goal of defeating Donald Trump and Republicans. Now, I'm not a Republican, and I'd prefer not to vote for President Trump. That being said, how can he possibly be objective if he donated to Donald Trump's opponent? when he's presiding over Donald Trump's trial. If there's a conviction in this case, this issue alone would make it an appellate attorney's dream. But aside from all that, let's say he never ran against Joe Biden. This is a blatant violation of the New York State rules on judicial conduct. If this judge is not even going to follow the rules that govern judges, why should jurors, lawyers, the defendant, or anyone follow his instructions on the law? So I am hoping this complaint is taken seriously, and I am hoping this judge is removed from Donald Trump's case. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. Boy, I love that Dr. Sky, don't you? Please check out the Dr. Sky experience at WABCradio.com. Under podcast, just search Dr. Sky. Now, we have finally just about completed the New York State budget process. Any guesses as to whether the objective analysts of this sort of thing believe that this budget has put us on better or worse financial footing? Well, yes, you're all correct. The fiscal watchdog group, the Citizens Budget Commission, which does not have a reputation of being excessively left-wing or excessively right-wing, they're pretty straight shooters. They put out a statement yesterday asserting that the final budget, quote, weakens the state's financial footing. Now, this budget was more than a month late, and they're finally in the process of enacting the fiscal year 2024 budget. Overall, 
according to the Citizens Budget Commission, the budget weakens the state's financial footing and does not include the governor's bold, beneficial proposals to address the housing, production, and affordability crises, increasing the state's fiscal instability, risks New York's attractiveness to residents, so you could see even more residents leaving the state, and you could see even more businesses leave the state. It increases the chance of future massive program cuts or economically harmful tax increases. We're already seeing those in New York City, where businesses are going to have to pay more in taxes. New York needs to be both affordable and stable. This budget, not according to me, but according to the Citizens Budget Commission, does not take the steps needed to get there. So New York State's fiscal shape is still a total mess. Hopefully we can do something about it in the future, but in all candor, I'm not terribly optimistic. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. This is a very sad story, but one that bears repeating. A year after a 17-year-old student at a New Jersey boarding school took his own life, the school has finally publicly taken responsibility and said it fell tragically short in its obligation to protect him. Last year, April 30th, 2022, Jack Reed took his own life after months of bullying. And on Sunday, the one-year anniversary of his death, the Lawrenceville School, a co-ed prep school for students in Mercer County announced on its website that it reached an agreement with Reed's parents. It publicly acknowledged it had been aware that Jack was being bullied by other students and fell, quote, tragically short when it came to the school's expectations to provide physical, social, and emotional health, safety, and well-being to students. Part of the statement read, the school acknowledges that bullying and unkind behavior and actions taken or not taken by the school likely contributed to Jack's death. Jack's parents told the New York Times that he arrived at the boarding school as a 10th grader in fall of 2020, but by spring of 2021, a persistent and untrue rumor that Jack was a rapist was spreading widely throughout the student body. The rumor was then posted anonymously to a nationwide student-run social app spreading online. His parents said both the in-person bullying and cyberbullying compounded the rumor's impact, and Jack asked school officials to intervene, which led to a school investigation during the bullying and sexual assault allegation. The school did not make any statement that it investigated and found the claim about Jack to be untrue, according to the school's statement. Lawrenceville acknowledged its fault specifically on the day Jack took his life. You see, just hours after the classmate involved in the bullying was expelled, the school allowed him, unsupervised, to say his farewells to classmates, which included harsh words about Jack. School administrators didn't bother to notify or check on Jack, and that night, Jack took his own life, telling a friend that he could not go through this again. This is a genuine tragedy, and uh, I just, I don't know where to begin, but I hope this is a lesson for all students, parents, and school administrators out there, that this is a very real thing, and this is exactly the kind of thing that needs to be prevented. If you're in need of help, please call the 988 Suicide and Crisis Hotline. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Well, as I hope I made clear in my local commentary 
in the first hour as it relates to this judge in the Trump case violating the rules that govern judges in this state. The one thing that I just can't stand is public officials thinking that they are above the rules and get to play by a different set of rules than the rest of us do. Now, the state budget, which I've been chronicling almost every day for a month and trying to explain it in a clear way, but not a boring way, the budget is already a month late. But legislative leaders are still bypassing a three-day aging period that's meant to give lawmakers a chance to read this dense legislation, which deals not only with minimum wage, deals not only with education, deals not only with charter schools and bail reform, but at the actual budget as well. You know what State Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins said when asked about this? She said, quote, people are able to read it. Well, those must be some pretty speedy readers in the state legislature. So the budget's already a month late, but they're still bypassing this three-day aging period. They call this final piece of legislation that includes some of the most contentious policy issues you can imagine, the Big Ugly. It was only introduced Monday night, but they're planning to start voting a day later. This is unfortunately par for the course in Albany when it comes to the budget, whether it's approved on time or a month late like this year. And under state law, lawmakers cannot vote on new or amended legislation until three days after introduction. And that period of time is meant to give them time to read through the language of the bill in order to fully understand it before casting a vote. But the governor can issue a what they call a message of necessity in order to skip that aging process and permit immediate voting. And for years, that's how the state has approved its budget. Now, that is not what the message of necessity is for. Message of necessity is if there's for some great state emergency that requires immediate action and you can't bear to wait three more days. Budget's already a month late. What's going to happen if you give legislators three days to actually read the budget and see what's in it? This is a disgrace and this is a textbook example of exactly what's wrong in Albany. The system needs more than a change. This system in New York State needs a revolution. Beam me up. To be continued.